us this morning. So come on, let's put our hands together for Pastor Luke as he comes to share. Hey, morning church. I just want to give you a little bit of an update. And a couple of weeks ago, we had our vision offering. And uh, here in our Botany campus, the whole purpose, what we're uh, looking to do is to expand out that way. And so we want to push the calf out and uh, expand out and out, which is going to mean that there's going to be quite a bit of uh, construction and work going on there. The result is that um, uh, we're looking at closing our kindergarten uh, at the end of the third term. And uh, this obviously uh, a big decision for us, been going nearly for 30 years, uh, quite a uh, difficult process uh, to have to go through, and so really uh, uh, just ask for your support and prayer on that. Uh, I see there's a little Facebook page gone up to save our kindergarten, you know, well, actually uh, belongs to the church, the kindergarten, and uh, it's uh, up to the leaders can uh, make calls on it according to what we feel God is saying to us to do. Um, but it, one of the reasons that we are having to close it, perhaps a little bit ahead of time, Obviously, we would have to close it once the construction started, um, but because um, that's in not too distant future, we can't employ anyone. We've had a couple of senior teachers hand in their resignation. We can't employ anyone because we can't offer them. We say, well, you know, we're not too, too sure, maybe a year, whatever, and so, uh, you know, we're not going to get any senior person come and uh, accept employment on that basis. And also, it's not fair on the parents that are looking to enroll their children, uh, that are hoping maybe that their child will be there until they're ready to start school, and uh, that possibly would not happen. And so we felt we're probably, it's better for us to look at closing it sooner rather than later, uh, just to uh, work through those, those issues uh, with folks. So really encourage you, uh, you know, I know there's probably a little bit of talk around and Courage to need your support and encouragement, you know, folk to understand the situation uh, that we're in. Uh, we've looked around to see if there's been uh, some facilities that perhaps we could lease uh, and uh, use those, uh, uh, relocate the kindergarten there, but there's just nothing at all available. We'll continue to keep our eyes open for that just in case something does come up, uh, but at this stage that's not really a possibility. The other uh, I guess in line with that as well is that the, the Christian bookshop is going to relocate. Uh, we don't own the, the bookshop. We did own it, um, but we sold it uh, several years ago. Uh, it's one of those businesses that because uh, now so much of the business has moved online and onto e-books, uh, it's not a good business to be in. Uh, you actually have to be a certain size to be able to purchase stock at uh, realistic levels so that you can compete with the online purchases. And obviously, we, we weren't able to do that with just one shop. And so the shop will relocate uh, to Manukau. The owner has another shop there, and they'll relocate it uh, across to there. And so that will be happening uh, over the next couple of months as well. So, uh, you know, it's exciting that there's growth plans, but with that, there comes pain as well. And so we really ask for your support and your prayers through that. Well, we've got Peter here. Great to have Peter. Anyone that's been to on a missions trip with Vicky uh, to India and Sri Lanka, you probably went to the Candy, uh, to the uh, girls' home there in Candy, which is amazing work, and I, I won't talk about it because Peter will talk about that. Uh, he's a rugby-mad South African. I think his mum called Susie used to cook uh, way back when the All Blacks were over there playing in the World Cup many years ago. And, uh, but we won't hold that against them. Let's give them a welcome here today, shall we? Good morning. 
when I uh, was at the morning service, uh, somebody stopped me there at the door and said, how come you were allowed in this church with this jersey on? <laughs> but to uh, make up for that, there was a person, must be a South African, who said, you are well-dressed. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, thank you, for Pastor Luke and Brother Pastor Vicky, for this uh, opportunity. Um, I'll try to stick to the time. I'm going to cut a very long story short. Yes, I am South African. And uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I was born in Cape Town. And I'm here not to speak too much about myself, but I'm here to tell you that God had a plan for me. And he had a plan for me. And he had a plan for me the day I was born. I was born on Christmas Day. And the nurse prophesied to my mom and said, this boy will one day be a servant of a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, the first 19 years of my life, my mom thought, I wonder when this is going to happen because this guy is uh, not doing too well at school. He's always in trouble and he's always in the principal's office for the wrong reasons. Because I would come to school drunk in a place called Grutteski next to the Newlands Cricket Grounds in Cape Town. And uh, things just went from bad to worse. I had the reputation of Peter the Drunkard when I left school and I joined the Navy. It was mandatory, and I thought, I'm going to become a Navy diver and show to people I can achieve something in life. Until the day that I almost died in a diving operation underneath a frigate ship, the things went wrong. And the guy who rescued me from that thing, being a split second away from death, died in another diving operation three months later. And it was shocking to me how vulnerable I am and how I need to find something to rectify the feeling that I was going through, and that was, like Dr. Billy Graham said, many people are smiling on the outside, but crying on the inside. That was me. And this young man, or that stage young man, a bit older now, um, needed something more to, to rectify the, the crying on the inside. And I turned to God, and on my 19th birthday, I surrendered to the Lord. And I went on my knees. I said, Lord, I don't know how this is happening, but it's happening. Don't stop, Lord. And his grace rescued me from the pit of hell. And I said, Lord, here I am. Send me. And the Lord took me by my word. He said, you said send me? I said, yes, Lord, anywhere in the world. And I had a dream. I wasn't very good in geography. <laughs> I always bunked the schools, the classes. Um... And I had a dream about this island, tropical island, with people with orange robes and shaven heads, and that I saw myself between these people. And in the dream, I shouted out, what's happening? And I, the Lord said, look at that banner there. And it read as follow, do not fight against this dream. It comes from God. And I woke up that morning there on the east coast of South Africa, Durban. And I said, Lord, I'm going to say goodbye to Durban. I'm going to say goodbye to South Africa, to my family. Where do you send me? Send me to this tropical island. I arrived there 32 years ago. I've been there for 32 years. I've surrendered my life to the Lord. I started in a small little tent in a place up in the hills, in the central part of Sri Lanka. Now, you must say, wow, that's wonderful. You know, I'm totally overwhelmed what I see here because I'm used to a little bit more primitive things. And one day my friend said, Peter, now you have this tent. Uh, wait, show me your toilet. I said, look, look, it's a big toilet. Look at the jungle. <laughs> he never visited me again. <laughs> I uh, started off uh, having to face a lot of difficulties. I had one stage for three years played rugby. Um, and then um, I was 
almost deported because they found out that I'm there with ulterior motives as they saw it. I was once bitten by a dog that had rabies, and a pastor in South Africa one day said, you know, it's funny that when the rabies dog bit Peter, the dog died and Peter lived. <laughs> I had typhoid, I had a thing called chikungunya, dengue fever, which is, both of them are like malaria for those who are doctors. You would know it's a serious thing to have. In spite of all that, I want to be there. And I know there's this rivalry about the Springboks and the All Blacks. And you know the last time the Springboks played you? Can you remember the score? Who lost? I won't tell you. <laughs> but I'm in the winning team, actually, Pastor Luke. We're in the winning team. We're in the team of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. That overrules all this rivalry. And because of that, I'm going to show you now a short video of our ministry up there in the central hills of Sri Lanka, where God called me and said, leave your country, leave your people behind, and do what I want you to do. There's so many miracles that happened there. Uh, one day, I remember, um, we were running out of food, and I went to the lo local shop, and I bought things on credit, you know, eat now and pay later type of thing, and I didn't like that. But it was at the 11th hour where I wanted to go yet again, because my wife, Louise, also from South Africa, said, the kids are hungry. The kids from the home which the government sent to us, they need to be fed. I said, Lord, please provide. And as I got into my car and put the key in the ignition to go to the shop to buy it yet again on credit, I heard a vehicle coming up the hill, and I said, I'm not expecting a visitor. And as I went up the hill, um, I saw a, one of these high-ass vans packed with groceries. And the guy, the driver said, I said, who are you? I didn't know him. He said, no, my boss said, bring this groceries to this home. And then I said, you know, the Lord, sometimes at the 11th hour, often actually, he provides. Amen? I remember one day I had problems with the, the local chief, who's the Buddhist monk in this village. I was the first Christian to move into that village um, so many years ago. And he uh, went and reported me. I had to face the OIC of the police station. He said, what are you doing? Why are you converting people here? You know, we don't want you in this village. And the monk was the instigator. He was the one who was... Um, really behind this whole thing to get me out from there. But the Lord kept me there. And I remember one day all the farmers were against me because we're living in a village where there's a lot of farming. And uh, they said, I'm stealing their water. And when I approached them, the monks stood up. They were one after the other accusing me and wanting me to get out from the village. The same monk who 10 years earlier had all that accusations. He said, shame on you, villagers. Shame on you, farmers. This guy came all the way from Africa to help our girls. And I support him. And till this day, no problem in that village. Because the Lord will even use the unbelievers to let his kingdom be planted in the lives of these precious girls that you're going to see now in this video. Ajivanakanda means mountain of life. They're in the center of the island. There's my tent I spoke to you about. It's not that primitive. You'll see how the Lord provided in the meantime. He provided ways where your own church for the last 10 years have been involved. And there we're putting up the first building. There it's look completed. It's all for the girls. 25 of them. There you can see it's on a coconut estate, 25 acres of land where we um, do all the cultivation. There's my our eldest daughter, Shani, also a Stone Springbok supporter. 
And they are the first girls that arrived at our home 20 years ago. And there you can see two of those same twins with a guy with a nice, beautiful green jersey on. And I sometimes have to give these girls over in marriage as well. I am the, often the father figure in their lives where they get married and have children after leaving the home. There's the probation department helping us and coming to see if everything is okay. There are some of our senior girls. Remember, all these girls have been sexually or physically abused. There's our lorry that was gifted to us, and all the girls said, please take a picture with us. And there are all the schoolgirls, some of the schoolgirls, who love to be uh, part of the pictures when I ever take that. And there's my youngest, our youngest daughter, Sonia, with a beautiful green jersey on. There she is with the ghost. Both of my daughters, like me, speak Sinhalese fluently. And this is Kumari, one of our girls that arrived a few years ago. And uh, I'll show you how she looks like now. There she is, transformed. And she's a lovely young lady, 16 years old. And there's another young girl who arrived here like this. Her name is Shanika. And I'll show you how she looks now as a senior. That's her, transformed. And this girl, you can see, this is the first evening that she arrived at our home. In the meantime, she's um, left the home, and there she is today. And she got three A's in her final year at school, and she's going to become a lawyer very soon. And there our girls are down to the mount from the mountains to the sea, and there they were bathing in the sea, and some of our girls who got some awards at school level. And then off we go again to some other place in the train from Candy to, to Colombo to the capital. And there's our matron with two of the senior girls who actually became prefects of the secondary school. And we sometimes have mud fights, so you can imagine I look like. And uh, we do lots of occupational therapy, lots of fun things, because these girls, as you know, they came to us crying on the inside, but we want to bring some joy and some happiness into their lives. And there you can see we were out in the lorry, and there's my eldest girl again with some of her, the girls that grew up with her. We go swimming, we do lots of fun things. And then we had our 20th anniversary. See the two girls in the green there? They're those with the twins that you saw right in the beginning. And all the seniors came and joined us for 20 years of God's grace in our lives. And those young little faces that you saw there, some of them even at that age get sent to us. There you can see the girls went hiking up in the mountains. There is, um, guess what's written there? All Blacks versus Springboks. I heard the Springboks won that one, Pastor Luke. And there we have group devotions on the lawn. Uh, there's a very recent picture of some of the girls and the matron. And as I said, we do loads and loads of fun things with the girls. I absolutely love when I said, let's get onto the lorry, let's go to the river and have fun. There we do vocational training, uh, which is part of the, the therapy we do for them in the greenhouse. And there's another South African there, Keith Hamilton, uh, who's our horticulturalist. And that's a typical Sri Lankan meal. And there's a group called the, the New Zealanders. I'm sorry for the spelling there, um, but um, they came and visited. We have several group groups, and here the girls are being, uh, receiving tuition. And there are my two little girls, became teenagers. I had to get a shotgun to keep the boyfriends away. And there's my wife uh, with, uh, when, we were, when the girls were very small. 
And that's a beautiful sunset uh, in the hills of, of, of Sri Lanka. And if they can just pause it here, and I want to thank Pastor Luke and your team for giving me these ten and a half minutes. Thank you. I went a half a minute over the time, but thank you, Pastor Luke, for... That's great. It's going to be clap, shall we? Awesome to have you here. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Luke. Thank yes, you. Anna, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. There's some of the, um, we, we give some support monthly uh, uh, into that work. Uh, Peter doesn't change his clothes, we might cut that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know Replenish a few years ago uh, took up uh, for a project and obviously from time to time, you know, there will be projects and things and that we'll bring before you. And so keep in mind, Peter, and the work that he does, the girls get sent to him from the courts been sexually abused. It's amazing work that he does. And if you get a chance to join Vicky on one of his trips to India and Sri Lanka, you'll get the opportunity to go up and see firsthand that awesome work that uh, Peter and his team do there. Just amazing. Okay, let's get, get your notes out. And we'll just take a couple of minutes just before we close. And just uh, heading up to Easter, we're just uh, looking at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and doing an Easter series. You know, the cross of Jesus is central to our Christianity. In fact, it is the hinge of all world history. The, the, the cross represents to us the single most powerful work that God has done on the earth. You know, suppose you go to a doctor and, and, and the doctor says he, he doesn't know what your problem is. He says, I can't diagnose it. I don't know what medication uh, to give to you. Uh, I don't know what the problem is. I went to the doctor through the weekend. He, he said to me, he said, you need to uh, have a daily walk fast for half an hour. And I said to him, but the problem is that my dog is getting old and uh, <laughs> he doesn't walk fast anymore. He, he just wants to sniff at, at everything. So he said to me, he said, either you leave the dog at home or you get a new dog. And uh, so he knew what the problem was and he knew uh, what to do uh, about it. But the Bible tells us what is found in no other book. It diagnoses the human problem, and more than that, he gives to us the cure. And the basic problem of humanity is sin. It's called by any number of names, called or whatever you like. Uh, but the root problem remains the same. It started with Adam and Eve, and mankind, because of wrong choices, has uh, become separated from God. But God has a remedy, the cross. See, what Jesus did on the cross was so that we can be reconciled back to God again. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes everyone, you and me, the Pope and President Trump and our Prime Minister, whoever you want to put in there, everyone. You know, we can go into a bookshop and we find uh, books on all sorts of subjects, self-help books. You know, they say there's a couple of hundred written every year. And they're good and have some value, but without the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, there is no merit at all. You know, the cross is the center of our faith. It is unique to Christianity. No other religious system, not Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or the countless cults possess anything that corresponds even remotely to the cross of Jesus Christ. I was really surprised with the terrible tragedy that happened in Christchurch and reading comments on Facebook and, and in the media and newspapers. You know, it seems that even many Christians don't seem to understand uh, that Christianity and the Muslim faith have absolutely nothing in common with each other. Their God is not our God. 
You know, we may have empathy with our Muslim citizens or any other faith that would experience something as tragic as that. You know, they are uh, they're fellow citizens of our nation and our heart uh, goes out to them uh, for such a horrific loss. But we do not worship the same God. You know, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a restoring of a relationship uh, with a loving God. And, and so we need to realize that it is only the work of, of the cross that has provided an absolutely complete salvation so that you can have peace with God. There is no other way. So you may feel lost or broken. You may feel empty. Uh, you may feel you may be bound up in uh, bondages. But the Bible says to us that you can be born again. You can be set free. You can have a new life through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible teaches us about the work of this cross, and there's amazing truths that we read about uh, the cross. But unless you appropriate these truths in your life, there is no value at all. You know, there's a lot of soap in the world, but there's also a lot of dirty people. Unless they take the soap and appropriate it, it has no effect on them. It is the same as a Christian. You know, unless you take the truths of the Word of God and apply them to, the, to your life, it will have a, no effect on you. So this should be the lifetime task of every Christian, learning to appropriate the truths that we find on the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, we're not just talking about, you know, a wooden cross that maybe we see on a church or something we wear around our neck. And there's nothing wrong with these things. They are symbols of what we believe. But the cross of Jesus Christ is a place of torture, a place of horrible death. I just wanted just for a couple of minutes just to give you uh, just some of the great truths that the Bible gives about the cross of Jesus Christ. And we won't have time to look at them, but if I, if I give them to you, you've got the notes here, you can look them up yourself. And I'm sure in subsequent weeks as we lead up to Christmas, uh, Easter, we'll be talking about these a little bit more. So the cross gives to us salvation. And the Bible says, you know, it is foolishness to those who don't believe. They don't understand it. Doesn't make sense to them. Uh, but to those who believe, you know, the cross, they didn't understand, was a way of opening up a passage for you and I uh, to get to God. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. And so it's called a complete salvation. It's called a perfect salvation. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. It gives to us peace with God. You know, other religions are all about doing you know, you have to do something to please God. You know, you've got an angry God out there, and, and if you don't please him, then he's going to come and do something bad to you. I remember I was up in Fiji once, and, and uh, the, the guy, uh, we were at a widow's house, and she said that uh, her husband went fishing, and, and when they go fishing, they normally give a grog offering to the God. They tip the grog offering in the water before they go, and he didn't do that, and he ended up getting drowned. You know, like they live in fear of angry gods that are going to bring punishment uh, upon them. You know, it's all about doing, but Christianity is all about done. It's what Jesus has done on the cross for us. There's nothing that we can add to it. There's nothing that we can take away from it. It is not because of works. You know, if it, if it was because of works, uh, then none of us would get in because none of us are good enough to get in. We would muck the place up. Uh, it's not about works, you know. It is about what Christ has done. You know, when God looks at us, you know, he doesn't look at our works. I got a little photo of myself when I was young there. Got a grumpy face on me there, you know. When God looks he doesn't see me and my grumpy face and my bad attitudes and the things I've done wrong and all the stuff, you know, that I've mucked up. When God looks at me, it is like I am in Christ. He doesn't see anything I've done. He sees what Jesus has done uh, for me on the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Amens. Second thing I want to say is the cross gives to us redemption. You know, the Bible says there, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redeems means to be set free. It comes from the old Roman slave markets where someone would pay the price for the slave to set them free, to give them their liberty, set them free from bondage. See, the payment for our redemption was the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. His death was necessary to pay the price for our freedom. In the Old Testament, you know, they offered sacrifices to cover them for their sin. So they'd take the best lamb out of their flock, the one that was the perfect one. They would bring him to the high priest. They would lay their hands on him. It's like they were imparting their sins into that lamb. The high priest would take it. Blood would be shed to cover their sin. And, but the problem was that it only covered them for one year. It made them feel even more guilty because next year they'd have to take this other little lamb, take him along. Same thing would happen. So it'd be killed and you know but the bible says about jesus that jesus he offered himself up for us yeah. he became sin for us it says there in hebrews chapter 7 unlike the other high priest he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day uh, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people he sacrificed for their sins once and for all and he offered himself up see he was the only one without sin he was the only one that could, do, could offer himself as a sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. See, the Jews were always looking for this Messiah that was going to deliver them from their oppressors. Their oppressor at that time was the Romans. All the time they're thinking, where's the Messiah? Where's the Messiah? John the Baptist comes along. He's the one that is the forerunner to the Messiah. And John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the Lamb that was going to be slain. They looked at him and they thought he was probably whatever they wore in those days, jeans and a T-shirt or whatever. They thought, he just looks like us. He looks okay. He doesn't look like a deliverer though. But they didn't need a deliverer. What they needed was a savior. You know, someone that would take away their sins. He gave redemption. Third thing is that the cross gives to us forgiveness. Colossians 1.14 says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, as long as your sins are not forgiven, you cannot have peace with God. And so there's, you know, no other book except the Bible that talks about a God that completely forgives our sins. He totally forgives and remembers no more. Yeah. Fourth one is that the cross gives to us justification. You know, you, but you are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. When I went to Sunday school, they used to teach us that justification means just as if I'd never sinned. You know, what Jesus did for us on the cross means that when we receive and appropriate the work of the cross in our lives, we are just as if we had never sinned. That's amazing. It's like I've been tried in the supreme court of heaven. And God the judge is there and God looks at me and I'm in the dock and he says, not guilty. You know, just as if I had never sinned. There's nothing on me that the devil can put his hand upon and condemn me. You know, on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. It was a complete work. It is finished. And then the cross gives to us righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. God made him who had no sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, the opposite of sinfulness is righteousness. You know, in exchange, Jesus became sin for our sinfulness so that we may, may become right with his righteousness. Yeah. An amazing an exchange took place. We are righteous. It's like God takes away the filthy garments of our sin and he covers us with a robe of righteousness. 
God looks at us and he doesn't see our filthy garments. He sees the robe of the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Satan's primary weapon against us is guilt. Yeah, you feel that? You're always feeling bad about something, never quite achieving it. Always feeling guilty, not good enough. I should have worked harder, should have gone to church more, should have given some more money, should have done all these things, should have prayed more. You know, there's all these things he's trying to make us feel guilty uh, all the time so that he can condemn us. You know, guilt, guilt tries to anchor us in the past to keep us discouraged and defeated. But when we understand the truth that Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness so that we can come right with his righteousness, then there is... No, there's an exchange there that happens when we embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. Guilt no longer has a hold over us. And then the final one I've got is the cross gives to us reconciliation. The cross reconciles us with God. You know, originally in the Garden of Eden, God and man stood face to face. But when man sinned, he hid from God. He turned away from God. And as a result, God turned away from man. The holiness of God and the sinfulness of, of man could not meet face to face. But the Bible says that when we repent, you know, repent means we turn around. Like we're living our old life, we're going our own way, we're walking in this direction. But repent means that we turn around, we turn from following our own selfish way, we turn around and we face a holy God. Between us and the holy God is the cross of Jesus Christ. We embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. And we can come and stand face to face with a holy, loving, eternal Father. The Bible is a love story. God is making a way for us so that we can have a relationship with Him. The cross is the hinge of, sal the hinge of salvation that restores fellowship with God. The cross makes the door open so that we can have access to God. If there is no cross, there is no hinge there is no hinge there is no door without a door there's no access to God have you embraced the cross of Jesus Christ today that needs to be the challenge of your life to appropriate all that Jesus has done on the cross for you let's just pray Father we just thank you you're a loving God a heavenly Father one that reaches out and loves and cares and Lord we just thank you today oh God as we focus upon Easter Again, we're just reminded of your great love for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, can I um, just invite you to take a moment, just to bow your heads and close your eyes just one last time. I'd love to pray one last prayer this morning. And um, I think in light of Pastor Luke's message there, in light of the cross, I'd love to extend a very simple invitation to you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, You've never made a decision to follow Him, to surrender your life to Him. Or maybe you have before, but today you'd be honest and say, man, I'm far from God. I need to come back to Him today. I would love to extend a very simple invitation for you to pray a prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender. See, the truth is, friends, God does love you. He loves you more than you could ever know. He created you with purpose and destiny in mind. We all sin, we all mess up, as Pastor Luke said, and we all fall short of His standard. But God sent His own Son, Jesus, to that cross. 
And when He died on that cross, He took what you and I would do for our sin on Himself, and He extends to every one of us today His free gift of grace, forgiveness for your past, a brand new life that begins right here, right now. The Bible calls that being born again by the Spirit of God. You get a brand new start today. You get to walk into these great plans that God has for you. He's got purpose for your life. He wants to use you to bless this world, to change this world. And then you get this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And I would love to extend that invitation if you don't know Him today. Or if today you're honest, you say, man, Steve, I'm far from God. I need to get right with Him. Then I wanna invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You just, you don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it with me in your heart. But just while every eyes closed and head bowed, you just pray this with me. If that's you this morning, you know who you are. Just pray along with me in your heart. Just say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned and I've messed up, but I believe Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from that old way and I turn to you. I ask that you would come in and be the Lord of my life today. I choose from this moment to live for you in Jesus' name. Now, just while your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, either for the very first time or maybe coming back to God, can I tell you, we are so proud of you. We think this is the most amazing thing you could ever do with your life. We're so honored that you've done that this morning. And I wanna invite you to do one more little thing. I want you to take a little step of faith today. I want you to be brave. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, when I get to three, I want you to do something really brave and I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Now, I'm not doing that because I'm gonna embarrass you. I'm not doing that because I'm gonna call you out or stand you up. I just want you to take one little step of faith and I'll acknowledge that you put your hand up and you can put it straight back down. Are you ready? If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're serious about it. On the count of three, one, two, three. Hands up nice and high saying, Steve, that's me, count me in. My man, right down the bag. I see you, yeah, I see you there too, brother. Anyone else saying, Steve, count me in. I prayed that prayer. I meant it, I wanna know him. I wanna start this journey with him. Amazing, yep, right at the back, on the top. I see you there, my man, that's incredible. Awesome. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. And God, I thank you for the cross of Jesus that truly does bring freedom and life and redemption to us. Lord, I pray for those who've responded now. I ask your blessing upon them. And Lord, as a church family, we rejoice with all heaven this morning as lost loved ones have come back to you in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, put your hands together. Let's congratulate all those people that said yes to following Jesus. So good, so good. Hey, uh, I wanna encourage you to do a couple of things. Church, on your seats, there's these little orange connect cards. And uh, we'd love to help you take whatever step you need to take in your journey of faith. And if you prayed that prayer this morning and you lifted your hand, we are so proud of you. And I'd love to encourage you to do one little thing. Grab this Connect card, put your details on it, put your name on it and tick the little box that says I've committed or recommitted my life to Christ. Listen, we just wanna help you. This is the start of an amazing journey. We wanna help you on this journey. If you wanna uh, take another step, there's a whole bunch on here. You, if you wanna get baptized, we'd love to baptize you. If you wanna join a small group, we've got amazing small groups that happen all over the place. In fact, I'm gonna let you know that if you are a small group leader or you are interested in leading a small group, there is a small groups 
uh, interest night and gathering that's happening on the 16th of April at 7 p.m. If you wanna know more about that, maybe God's stirring you to just to love some people and walk a journey with some people. Listen, it's not rocket science to be a small group leader. All you gotta do is open your home, put the jug on and ask a few questions and get to know some people, man. It's an incredible journey, helping other people walk their journey of faith. And uh, so if you're a small group leader or you're interested, show up on that date. It'll be right here. We'll, we'll love to connect with you and let you know. Put your name down in the info booth. Tick the box on this card. We'd love to help you as well. And uh, I want to also let you know that growth track, uh, it started right now. It started during the service, the first week. You can get on that next week if you're keen. Uh, we would, uh, growth track is a course designed to help you discover your purpose. Uh, we believe God's put a gift on every life. We believe there's purpose to your life. And we believe you won't be fulfilled in your life until you discover that purpose and begin living the way God's created you to live. So growth track is all about uh, one, you'll get to know who we are, but more than that, you'll get to know who you are and find God's purpose for your life and begin to use that and make a difference with your life. And we'd love to get you on that. Next week is week two. You can get on it week two. Tick the box, grow track box. Uh, we'd love to help you. Anything else, church, put it on the connect card. We'd love to help you find out whatever you need to find. We're gonna receive our giving this, this morning. And uh, if our team would prepare to receive that, and let's pray together as we get ready to give, church. Lord. We come to you again, Lord, with thankfulness in our hearts for all that you've done for us. And Lord, as we come and give this morning, Lord, we're just following your lead. Lord, all those years ago, you gave it all for us on that cross that we might know freedom and liberty and wholeness. And God, we come, we give a portion of what we have today, following your lead. And Lord, we pray, use what we give, Lord, to continue to bring life and wholeness and fullness to those in this community. I pray you bless all that is given, and I thank you that everything that is given is making a difference for your kingdom's purposes. And we ask your blessing on all who give. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, our team is gonna receive our giving this morning. If you've got a Connect card, drop it in that bucket as it goes by. Uh, we're gonna stand to our feet, we're gonna sing one last song, and then I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing on you before you go. So come on, let's stand to our feet.